All right. If, uh, if you don't have it, my huge chart is uh, kind of small, but if you, <laughs> you weren't here last week or maybe you forgot yours, if you didn't get a little flyer that you can kind of look on, um, here's some. Raise your hand. Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, Maggie, you mind pass these out for me? So, all righty. Um, we're trying to put, I guess, <coughs> a, a map down or a wire framework, I guess is one way I was trying to think of. It's a wire framework uh, that we're going to go back later. We're going to build all the meat there on, uh, or the substance. And so, but I, I think it helps to know where we're going and why we're going in the direction we are and to kind of help us to know how to, to reason about scriptures. Um, just a fast view. Uh, we're in the church age. The next thing that we're looking for is the rapture. Uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and, and remain shall be caught together in the air. Our little chart goes up for the next thing that we'll do. We'll have the uh, Bema Seat judgment. Uh, we're not judged for our salvation. That's been taken care of at the cross. We're judged for what we've done, our motives, uh, for what we've, the work we've done in the Lord. Have we earned our reward here, or have we earned our reward there? I, I heard this when I was, uh, I forget what I was reading or listening to or something, but somebody said, um, Jesus Christ pays for our sins once and for all at the cross. And praise God for that. You know, I don't have to pay for my sin. But it's paid for once and for all. He doesn't have to be re-sacrificed again and again. He's paid for it once. He, he pays us once for our rewards. If we got a reward here on earth, do not expect it in heaven. You're not going to get double payment. If you've done it for here, for the glory of yourself, for the glory of mankind, for the show, for, the, for men pleasers, you've got your reward. If you've done it for him, you'll get your reward then and there. The wise thing is to do it for him. <laughs> get it then and there. And right now it's temporal. So he doesn't require payment for a sin twice. He won't pay us twice when we do things uh, to serve him. Uh, next thing would be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we're, we're called um, down at the end there. And again, this is just real rough. We've went over all this before. We're going to go back in detail on all these things. On the earth during that time, I believe it's the seven-year tribulation, uh, where it's the last seven years on God's prophetic time clock to the, towards the Jewish nation. Uh, this is to purge the Jews to... to um, to drive men to believe him. Uh, like uh, Linda was asking, or said something last week about who are these here. Uh, the true church is raptured. The false church enters into the tribulation. This is and it's Babylon. When you read Revela- Revelation, you'll see Babylon in there. This is the, called the whore of Babylon. That's the false church. That's the mega church. That's the church that does whatever. The church that uh, is, if a church has uni in the title, chances are it's a bad church. Universalist. Uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of my list, but you know, if, but that's kind of a rule of thumb. If it has a uni in there, that, that means that uh, it's usually probably not following the Bible. And so, uh, it's all these. We love everybody, accept everybody. We're all okay. God just forgives. We're all good. There is no millennium. There is no judgment. There is. The, you know, we're bringing down the kingdom. Blah blah blah. Um, they they come and hopefully. They have enough of the gospel in them that when they see these things pour out, that they see the Bible really is true, that God means what he says and says what he means, that they call out and they repent. Uh, many of them give their, their life for that. At the end, I believe, is a sheep-goat judgment where he divides the sheep from the goat. Um, and that's what he's doing there. I think that there will be a resurrection of the Old Testament saints. Uh, I think it will be right along with Revelation 19 where it says those who will be headed for his witness during the tribulation, that they'll be resurrected to rule and reign with him. So we know there's a resurrection there. And so that gives us um, all saved people entering into the millennium, and this is a key point, uh, why I think the way I think. Uh, all saved people entering into the millennium. At the, at the end of the tribulation, only saved people are alive and, and remain in there. Um, then you also have, and then they'll be mortal. They could still die. They, they haven't got their immortal bodies yet. And then you have 
those who have been raptured or those who have died in Christ and, and, and received their body. And you also have those Old Testament and tribulation saints that have their resurrection bodies. And so you have mortals and immortals living together. Um, we've talked a little bit about, um, so we've got that. Israel's in there. It'll be all redeemed. Um, just kind of catch on my notes. That uh, I mentioned a little bit from Malachi um, chapter 2. Uh, that we're going to be like priests. That's part of our job. That we'll be priests and kings. And part of that is how the priest, um, you, you had the priest who did the, the temple work, but you also had the priest that lived in the towns and in the villages that when people had a question, uh, because we, we've talked many times about how hard it is to get to God when you're a Jew. If you're a Gentile, you can only go so far. If you're a Jewish woman, you can only go so far. If you're a Jewish man, you can only go so far. If you're a Jewish man, but you're a priest, you can only go so far. If you're a Jewish man and a priest, you can only go into the most holy place. If you're a Jewish man and a priest and you're a special woman and a high priest, you can only get into the Holy of Holies one time a year. And so it was very hard. And so the questions they would have, what's it like? How's this? And I have questions about this, that, and the other thing. We get to be those representatives. We get to... Um, so you're over Trafalgar, and you'll get the people will come and like, there's an immortal. Let's go ask them. What was it like in their lifetime? What was it like? What's, what was it like during the Bema Seat Judgment? How how was that trial? What was it like with the marriage supper of the Lamb? You know, could you see what was going on on earth? I, I know the questions that I would have. I imagine that they'll have. And what was it like to trust in Him whom you could not see, because they'll be able to see Christ. Uh, they'll have seen Him. What was it like to pray and not know what the answer was? What was it like to pray and not even or, or go through something to don't know if it was good or evil or bad? Uh, like Job, or uh, they're going to ask us things in our life. They're like, how did you trust him when you had never seen him and you only had his, his word and the testimony of, of the disciples? What was it like? And, and, and so they're going to ask us a lot of questions because they're going to live in a different economy than we do, and that, that goes back even further yet. Um, so this is Christ ruling and reigning on the earth during the millennial reign. It's a thousand years. Revelation, uh, let's go ahead and turn there real fast. Revelation uh, 20. Is where we get it, and I've I've read a few, uh, I guess, opposition uh, views this week, and they'll be like, just because God says it's a thousand years doesn't mean it'll be a thousand years. I'm like, well, He's held everything else exactly as it, as it would be. I I don't know that He would change. I don't expect Him to. But Revelation 20 and verse one says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, and this is after the second coming of Christ, after the Battle of Armageddon. Having a great chain in his hand, he laid hold of that dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. He bound him a thousand years. So Satan's bound. He's, he's tied up. He's put in a pit. He's, he's locked away. He's not roaming around deceiving on the earth. Uh, he's bound him for a thousand years. Verse 3, he cast him to the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. I saw thrones, and they that sat on him, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither he had received, uh, had received uh, his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So it tells us there's that resurrection after the second coming where they come up. So there's a thousand years without Satan on the earth. They're going to ask us, what was it like when Satan was on the world and you were being tempted and he did this? What was it like when Satan controlled the television? What was it like when Satan controlled the radio? What was it like when Satan controlled industry? What, what was it like when he was in charge of this? They're not going to know that. It's going to be foreign to them. What, what do you mean? What was it like when there was war and people went off and people shot each other? What was it like? What was it like when you could see roadkill on the road? And what was it like if you saw a car accident? And it's going to be foreign to them. We're used to death and carnage. We're going to see that it's, it's, it's going to be different from them. Um, there's a lot of details about the millennium we'll go back to, but I'm, I'm just going to give you the, uh, some things to ponder right now. It's not going to be Eden yet. It's going to be a lot better, but it's not Eden yet. Yeah. We saw that the, the curse from the animals being afraid of us is lifted. 
uh, that for them to eat us is, is gone, that they go back to, I think, being herbivores. And we talked about the lion and the lamb laying together. We looked at those verses. And here's where we'll start anew. Um, another thing, like I said, it's not eaten yet, but it is better. Look at Amos. There's one we don't go to often. Amos. It's right next to my son Joel. Amos. Amos chapter 9. Uh, I think this is another one that shows where the curse has been pulled back. Uh, again, they're going to ask us, what was it like when you had to... Uh, well, we live in a farming community when it's like they, we have to plow the ground, we have to break up the ground, we have to kill the weeds, we have to, we have to fight with it, you have to pull an anhydrous wagon to restore and replenish the soil to try to get back as good as it could. You know, we have to work out, we have to worry about rain, uh, raining too hard and pushing it over or rotting it out or a hailstorm that tears it up and destroys it, animals coming in and, and stealing the food that is ours. You know, when it's um, being married to a farmer's daughter, when it was like, oh no, the rain, and oh no, what's it going to do, and oh no, the frost, and oh no, the sun, or no sun, or it's just... Everything, you know, that they're, they're, they're in jeopardy. They, they are really in tune with the weather because of the, they're counting on God and trusting him. Amos 9 and verse 11 says, In that day will I rise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen. Again, this is talking about the millennium. This is another reason why I believe it's going to be there. God has promised the Jews these things. He says, I'm going to, rise, I'm going to raise up that tabernacle of David and close the breaches there. I will rise up uh, the ruins and I will build it as the days of old. He says, I'm going to restore it. It's going to be to the glory. Um, Israel's glory days have not been yet. Uh, they will be. They've had, a, they've had a good time under David and Solomon, but it's not been their glory day. Their glory day will be when their king is on the throne. They've not had that. Um, verse 12, they, then, they may possess the remnant of Eden and all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord, do with this. Verse 13, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. It's talking about how the ground's going to give abundantly again. It's not going to be anymore having to really work in the sweat of the brow. I think they'll have to uh, work, but it's not. The ground's going. To, the curse is lifted. It'll give. It'll give abundantly. It talks about how it's going to. Um, the plowman overtaking the reaper. It's like man. As soon as it's coming, we can plant again another crop. There's not going to be any starving people. There's not going to be a lack of food. There's not going to be that. It's a drop, dropping the sweet wine again. It'll be a, be abundance of food, like in the garden where Adam didn't have to work. He could go out and grab it. It's going to, they're going to be taken care of. Uh, verse fourteen. I will bring again the captivity of my. Or I will bring again. Captivity of my people Israel, and they shall build in the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat of the fruit of them. Uh, they, he says they're going to get it. They're going to have the land. They're going to be able to live into it uh, without the fear of someone else coming in or so, them planting a vineyard and someone saying, I want that vineyard, and coming in and running them out. It's not going to be that way. They get to have their house. They get to have their places. They're going to rebuild it, and, and it's going to be theirs. And so uh, they get to live. Uh, during this time. In verse 15, And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall go no more, or be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Uh, there's a lot of people that believe in replacement theology, that everything that was promised to Israel now comes to us as the church. God is done with them. God forbid, is what Paul said. He is not done with them. Yeah, we've been grafted into the vine, but he's going to graft them back in. He owes them that. He says, I want to do this for you. Uh, do we get into some of the benefits? Yes, we get in a lot of it. And he says he's done that to uh, use us to provoke them to jealousy. That was also a prophecy from Deuteronomy where he says, Will you quit following me? I will rise up a nation who is not a nation and provoke you to jealousy through them and how I bless them. 
That's, what, that's the economy we're in now. But then he's going to turn back and it's going to go back underneath the Jews. And Daniel uh, 9 has to be fulfilled and other things. And so, uh, the, ground's, so the ground's good. The animals um, aren't fighting us. Uh, let's look at Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65, verse 20, said, There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not uh, filled his days. Imagine that. No more sudden infant death syndrome. No more a old baby who chokes on something. No more uh, where someone dies at 13 or at 20 or at 30 or at 40 or someone who hasn't got a... Man, they're just in the prime of their life. That will never be on the news. It says there will be no more infant of days. For a child shall die when he's 100 years old. So they'll consider him a baby when they die at 100. And I was like, that would be like mourning a child, but man, that's 100 years. But the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. There's a sinner during the millennium? Yeah. Now we've entered into the millennium with all saved people, but the saved people who live through the tribulation still are married and have families and have kids and they're populating the kingdom. And those kids aren't saved. You know, they have the same opportunity as anybody else. They can repent and trust Christ or they can rebel against him. If they do, it says... God's kind to them for a hundred years, but if they rebel and they're sinners, so they're going to count him to be cursed, and he'll die, die at a hundred. Um, verse 21, And they that build houses shall inhabit them. We saw that in Amos. They shall plant a vineyard and eat the fruit of them, again, the abundance of the ground. Uh, verse 22, <clears throat> They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant another eat. For as the days of a tree are, the days of my people and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. As a day of a tree. Because they're going to live as long as trees. Trees live a long time. And you say, well, yeah, I've got some old trees. There are old trees that have been around. I know there's one at Disney World that they moved up that they kind of say might have come from the days of the Revolution that they planted in the middle of Liberty Square there. I remember that being kind of a big deal. They might be dead now for all I know. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was still there. It could have been fake, too. I, don't, I climbed in a fake tree down there once, too. But you know, there's a pine tree in Nevada that was 5,000 years old. They cut it down in 1964, probably put a road in or something. Or needed a tasty freeze or something. <laughs> but uh, there's a, um, another pine tree in California that's 4,800 years old. There's a cypress in Iran that's 4,000 years old. There's a, a yew tree in Wales that's 4,000 years old. There's a 3,600-year-old tree in Chile. There's a 3,500-year-old tree in Florida. There's a 3,200-year-old 3, tree in Utah. There's a 3,200-year-old tree in California. There's a 3,000-year-old tree in Italy, Brazil, and Taiwan. And then there's a bunch of baby trees that are just a couple thousand years old in all these other places. But they all have names, and they're famous because these trees are... Well, the oldest one's 5,000 years old. What happened 5,000 years ago that there wouldn't be any tree older than that? There was a worldwide flood that wiped off. But the oldest thing in the world is a tree that goes back dates to the flood. You'd think if the world was millions of years old, there's a couple of them they try to date older than that, but pretty much on any list you'll find that they'll have that one list will be oldest. We'll live as old as a tree, or they'll live as old as a tree. We'll live forever. We're, we're our body that does not age and does not sin. But they get to live, oh, so it's not Eden yet. But boy, remember after Eden, but before the flood, Methuselah lived 969 years. You know, all those guys live almost close to 1,000 years. This is only a 1,000-year reign. They'll be able to live out their days. They won't die. It'll be back like it was. We see that time goes so far, and it's like we're going backwards, and then we'll end back at eternity. Um, I think it's awesome to think about. that. They'll, they'll be old. They'll be wise. And yet they're having kids. They live long, and they, they, they get to see all this. And it talks about being a blessing. There's oldest trees. Um, Let's see what else will go on that says that they're sinners. Let's see. Uh, Isaiah, where we're in 65, look at verse 24. Yeah, we're right here. <clears throat> it says that 
So this is kind of interesting. It says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Wouldn't you like to have your prayers answered like that? Wouldn't you like to have your request given? You don't think that that's going to be curious for the people in that time to ask us? What was it like for to pray for 20 years for something? 50 years and you never got the answer. You never got the answer on this side. We're like, I'm just trusting the Lord. Or prayed for, you know, how long have we prayed over some things? He says, before they get done speaking. We, we saw some of that in Daniel, wasn't it? Didn't Daniel pray? And before he even gets done, he sends someone after them. He was leaving the fight. And sorry, I'm so long getting here. But, you know, but he, he, it's going to be like that. He says, I'll pray my answer. I, I think it's, they had that kind of communication. You know, instead of this, boy, I can't wait till I get to heaven. I'll see what Jesus has to say about. They can pray and ask and he'll answer. That's awesome. That's all, that means we have that kind of access too. Um, where was I at? Verse 25 says, The wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like a bullock. And thus shall be the serpent's meat. There shall be no hurt or destroy my holy mountain, saith the Lord. There'll be no war. Uh, we've seen that in several different ways. Uh, look at verse or chapter 2 of Isaiah. Isaiah 2. Isaiah 2 and verse 2 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and he shall be exalted uh, above the hills, and all the nations shall flow into it. Now, it uses this, and I, a lot of people, well, that's just a, <coughs> uh, a word picture. I believe it's on the mountain. I mean, Israel's kind of on a mountain now, uh, more of a hill for us, but it's a, um, I believe he's going to be on a mountain. Because it talks about when he, when he comes down and his feet touch the ground and he splits it in two, and then Israel rises up like a mountain. We're going to see some other verses a little bit later that talk about a mountain that grows up that gets bigger, and um, I generally draw... Uh, the New Jerusalem is a pyramid, or at least a, not a pyramid, but sort of a pyramid. Uh, we'll get into all that later when I get there. Why I think that? I mean, what else? What other building represents? It looks like a mountain. Other than that, where there's a top and there's a key, and even the back of your dollar bill kind of has a, a glory of the eyeball coming down. And God on top of the mountain. What's even the world say? If they're going to seek after ancient wisdom, where they climb to a mountaintop, there's a sage old person up there. Satan's a copier. Satan's imitator. I, I think that's God's holy mountain. We see that mentioned many, many times. That's another lesson. Verse three. It says, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. Man, what about that? You get to go and be taught from Jesus. You know, they get to go and be, one, we get to be taught too, because we don't know everything. We're not going to be God. Uh, but, the, but they get to go ask him questions, and he gets to teach them. Now that means that, you know, that they, they're still learning, we're still learning. It says, And we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he's going to reign from Jerusalem. And the law goes out from there. He, 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 that's the, um, it will be a one world government, and it's reign from there. Verse 4, it tells us what else he'll do. And he shall judge among the nations. He's going to, have to judge things. There won't be wars, but there's still going to be disputes and arguments about, about something. And he says, I'll judge them. I'll rightly judge them. I'll make sure they're there. It'll be a just time. It won't be any perverse judgment, judgment where it's like, well, it's just because he's rich, or it's just because he's Jewish, or it's just because he's white, or just because he's black, or he doesn't have a mom. There won't be any of that. It'll be a perfect world, a perfect but there's still going to be disputes because we're still people. And that's the whole point. The Millennium Reign shows that we are still sinners. That these kids that are born from these that were all saved, a perfect government, a perfect world with Jesus Christ on the throne, are still sinners. Man's nature, even when they can look to him, when they can get answers from him, when they can ask us things and probably interact with angels, who knows what else, they'll still rebel against him because man's heart is wicked. Because we'll say, just like in the garden, God is not sad, or I want to be like God, or we'll still be that whole thing going on. He says they're going to judge him. Judge him on the nation. He shall rebuke many people. I have to rebuke them. 
Uh, you got to get on them. Rebuke here also means to correct. You're going to tell them that's not right. No, you got to be right. I'll chase them. He might have to punish them. Uh, we already saw that some of them at 100 years old, he'll have to say, death sentence for you. I've given you 100 years and you still rebel against me. Um, he has to chide them. He has to uh, even convict them. It talks about that's, that's all kind of in that word rebuke there, that, that, that conviction that he has to give them a sentence. You know, that, nope, there it is. He rightly divides. He's the good judge. And many people shall beat their... Uh, shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. You know, no more war, but farming. You know, if you get that, nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. What kind of world's that? I mean, that's my whole life has been war. I've been from the. I've heard about the World War One, World War Two. There's Vietnam War that's going on, and when I was in high schools, Libya and Grenada and whatever going up to the Gulf War and the Persian Gulf War and the Desert Storm and Afghanistan. I mean, it's all. It, Wars and rumors are war since my whole life. What's it going to be like when there's not that? That's not even occupation for you. Um, so they, they learn this, and, they, they, and he gets to judge the disputes, and so there's still that sinfulness. Um, look at Daniel chapter 2. <clears throat> so like I said, it's Eden light, but not Eden yet. You know, it's not, it's not eternity yet. It's not... Um, where God rules and reigns and everything's exact. There's still free will among these, around all of us. We will choose to serve him. We'll just have a body that won't allow us to, will not desire it. Praise God. We look forward to that, and that war is over. Uh, but these on the earth still rebel against him. Um, there's other things that we know that we'll do that I'll make mention of lightly in a minute, but uh, we won't go into the detailed verses. Um, verse um, of Daniel chapter 2, a familiar passage. matter of fact, this is just about where we started our end-time study, where we have the... Uh, the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had, and it talks about all these things, this image that rises up, and then how it was, you know, gold and silver and bronze and the feet and the toes, and then we see this rock that's carved out of the hill, or comes from the hill, and it comes and it smashes it. Look at verse um, 35. It says, uh, There was iron and clay and brass and silver and gold broken into pieces together and became like chaff, because see, it got hit by that, what was it, verse 34 tells us, till a stone that was cut without hand smote the image of the feet. And the iron and clay, and it broke them. In the middle of verse 35, it says, it became like chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. There's that image again of the mountain again, that it hits. Jesus comes down to the Mount of Olives, splits it in two. It talks about the topography changing and how Israel rises up and everything else goes down to a valley, about how a river flows out of it and one flows to the east and the river flows to the west. These healing for the nations and the things it talked about in Zechariah. But it continues to grow. And I think it's also not only just a physical mountain, but I believe it's the mountain of his government, his reign, his rule as it begins to go and, and take over the world. I think that's part of us. Part of our job will be to help subdue and, and make sure these nations are, are right and with him that as, as we work as his government agents. Uh, look at verse uh, 44 of the same chapter. Uh, it's kind of the interpretation of the verse we just read. It says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Uh, and again, he sets up a kingdom. I mean, he's a God of order. He's a God of rule. That's why I believe, you know, during the Bema seat and in the Last Suppers, when we get our instruction on, here's our rules of occupation. Here's what we're going to have. I am, the, you know, you're over this, you're over that, and here's the hierarchy that we're going to have, and we're going to come down with chaos and not wandering around like, I don't know. Hopefully God will tell me what to do. No, he'll give us instruction on what to do. That's why I think the second coming 
and the rapture being at the same time is ridiculous because it says we'll meet him in the air as he comes down to the earth. We'll come down and we're like, now what? We won't know what's going on. And Then who's going to populate the kingdom? If you have, have no, everybody gets raptured at the end and he tells us that we won't be married or given in marriage, or, then who's going to populate? Who's going to have all these babies that are still sinning in the millennium? I, where do they come from? I, you, don't, you, you can't answer it. And that's why I think it's a big problem for those who put the, the rapture at the end. Uh, because who's going to populate the kingdom? Who's going to make up this... Um, this, uh, we're going to get we're getting to these guys. All these guys. You know, this, this Gog and Magog is who that is. Who are all these that are rebelling against the king? It's the children of those who lived through the tribulation and had babies. Uh, we get, say people aren't doing it. It's got to be somebody. I don't know how. They can't work it out. I don't know how they answer it. I think they just allegorize it. But verse 44 says there that um, in all the days the kings, uh, God of heaven shall set up a kingdom. We help him set up that kingdom. I think it's exciting to think about us doing that, that we're ruling and reigning, setting up his kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Part of his job is this mountain's going to grow, and it's going to spread, and it's going to consume until it takes over the whole earth. We say, oh, I thought that happened at the second coming. Well, it did there in Jerusalem. He starts... And just like any other government would, it starts at the headquarters and it builds and it goes out as we go and we start to subdue. And this world has been wrecked for seven years. I mean, wrecked by not only God, but by mankind and what they've done. And there's carnage everywhere. And there's part of the jobs that we're going to have is cleaning that up. And I can, I'll show you that when we get to the millennium because it's pretty specific and detailed. And then how we're going to use those as object lessons to praise and glorify God, even though it sounds gross and nasty now. I mean, about us, I mean, it says that we're, we'll be burning the weapons from Armageddon for seven years. There's that much, car, and then the, the, how the stench that we'll have to stop up our nose. And it's just, uh, but we're going to praise him. But we're going to help him subdue and, and fight and take over the nation. We're fighting, but at least setting up the kingdom. Yes, Jay. And so we're it's consuming. We're helping to fill and to um, uh, to, to spread the kingdom. So that, that's going on. So apparently, we still probably have rebellious people who are like, I don't want the king over me, and they go to some remote place, and we go and have to help help them. Uh, look at Revelation 2, where it talks a little bit more about us. Revelation 2 and verse 26 says, And he that overcometh, and Revelation 2, 26, He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. What nations? You know, because does a, does a Christian now is able to stand up and say, I'm for Christ, and the nations tremble, and they bow, and we have power over the nations? No, they beat them, imprison them, they kill them, they martyr them, they sacrifice them, they feed them to the lions, they, they do whatever. Uh, they, they stormed in oh, was it India, where they stormed the World Vision office and held all the people and shot them in, in the center of the offices this last week. Uh, no, we don't control the nations, but then we will. Verse 27, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Remember all those Old Testament verses about Jesus ruling with a rod of iron? That's what's going to be during the millennium. As the vessels of the potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received my father. So we're going to help rule and reign with him. We get to have part of that. Uh, Luke 19 talks about, you know, you were faithful over these few things. I will make you faithful over two cities, over five cities, over ten cities, that type of thing. Uh, so men still sin. Look at Zechariah 14. Zechariah. Zechariah 14. And Zechariah 14 starts out with Jesus Christ, you know, splitting the mountain and all that, and kind of saving this. We go back and put the the meat on the bones, because uh, it talks about, I, I believe, the sheep goat judgment in there. Uh, you get to verse 16. And this is now during the millennial reign. Uh, Jesus has already come and set up his kingdom. Uh, 
Zechariah 14, 16, It shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king. He requires it. He says, you will come up and worship me once a year. You will come to all the nations. Um, the Lord hosts and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. We know during the millennium reign that we'll have the Feast of Tabernacles. And that makes sense to us who have studied the Feast of Tabernacles because that talks about the wilderness journey, how we are in the wilderness and how he protected us and when it was... Um, you know, before we had the nation. Think of what that will mean to us then. Think of how we'll get to instruct those people then. There will be, what was it like? And see, because in Israel, they went and they said, all the kids, they would ask, why are we doing this? And they're like, well, for 40 years we were in the wilderness and we had to camp and he took care of us and he gave us manna and he gave us bread and they purposely built these little shacks so they could see through the roof and, and see the stars and, and, and remember how they trusted in him. They don't have, their little houses only had three walls because you know, they wanted to be open to their neighbors. And so we have a year that's required all expenses paid, you know, all food, we don't have to worry about that. Everybody's required. You come to Jerusalem, a feast of the Feast of Tabernacles. And they'll be saying, what was it like during those 2,000 years when you were on the world then and you couldn't see him and you were wondering where he was and if he was coming when he was leading us to the city? Remember Hebrews 11, you know, uh, like Moses, you know, that they were, we were aliens, we were pilgrims journeying toward a place we had not yet been. That's us. And so we get to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles and what meaning and purpose it will have to us and, and how we'll praise him. I bet you everybody else will just stand back and say, look at how they praise him. Look how he answered that prayer for them. Uh, verse 17, and it, shall come, and it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them that shall send no rain, there shall be no rain. So there's still some that can say, no, I'm not going. No, maybe they're too busy. Maybe they think, well, I don't know if I really buy that. I don't know. That seems like a, a hokey old tradition. We've been doing it for 500 years, you know, or whatever. You know, these, these kids will be saying they, they refuse to go up. So there's still rebellion. The men still sin, verse 18. And if the family of Egypt uh, go not up, it seems like the same one. The same ones who have battled Israel from ever are still going to be rebellious. Uh, even going into this, the family of Egypt go not up and come not, come not they have no rain. There shall be there the plague, where if the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. He says, oh, fine, I'll shut the rain off. I'll show you, I'll demonstrate that you need to honor me. And then that they still rebel. Verse 19, this shall be the punishment of Egypt, and the punishment of all the nations shall not, not keep the Feast of Tabernacles. I believe that'll be, we've studied that verse here and now. I believe part of that then and there when people say, well, why should we go up? I'll say, well, Zechariah 14, he told you, Egypt, that if you don't go up, he'll shut up the rain. <laughs> so we'll get to tell him how it was, and then, then the Lord will do it. Um, so they're going to do that. Verse 21, um, so they still have that rebellion. Uh, uh, we looked at an earlier verse that said that they're going to build the tabernacle of David again. There's, I believe there will be a millennium temple, I believe a millennial tabernacle. Verse 21 mentions that they will have a sacrifice. Uh, it says, yet every man, uh, yet every pot in Jerusalem and in all Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And they that sacrifice shall come and take of them. And see it therein, and the day therein there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of the Ghosts. But anybody talks about the sacrifices mentioned there. You think, well, why would we have a sacrifice? I think it's going to be more important then than ever. Um, I can go to an average lost person, and I'm trying to explain the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I can say, remember in the Old Testament time when they had to sacrifice a lamb, and they had to shed the blood, and they had to, yeah, yeah. Even the lost understand that. They know about an animal sacrifice. They, they got that picture. God had ingrained that and, and so, much, so well in history and everything that people understand that. It's a, it's a viable word picture. Do they have to see me kill an animal to understand what I'm talking about? No. We see blood on the road. We see blood on the TV. We see blood in the movies. We see blood all the time. We, cut ourselves, we see people hurt and damaged and dying. We see carnage. 
It's not, it's not a shocking thing for us. Matter of fact, we get numb to it. You know, when you make the video games, we're just bloodbaths. And we do, just like, eh, no big deal. It's a gore fest. And, and it's just, it's, we almost become callous to it. Uh, Jesus Christ leaves us with the communion time where we remember his sacrifice. We hold the bread and the juice, and I could see his body. When I take communion, I could picture him being beaten. I could picture him uh, having the, the, the bruises and the, and the whip across his back. I can picture his blood flowing out of the crown and out, out of his nail-pierced hands and his side. I, I can picture all that. It's not hard for me to imagine. And as I can hold these elements and, and imagine those and see it. They're going to be living in a time when there is no war, where there is no bloodshed, where there is no bad television, music, or, or, or movies. And there is going to be no road carnage. There is going to be no more uh, war or, or fighting and death and disease. And It's not going to be there for them. And so he's going to have to have a very visual picture. Here's what I did for you. And then they'll kill a lamb. That's what I did. That's why I had these scars that you see. I died for your sins. And they'll plead with them. And they'll have this visual picture of <gasps> be like Adam and Eve in the garden when they had to kill something to cover them. It'll be like that for them. They'll be horrified. and Look, he did that. And we'll say, yes, he did. Why don't you trust him? Why don't you repent and trust him today? It'll be there. Not It won't be efficacious. It does not save them. But it's the same way as the Old Testament. The lamb was the picture pointing towards Christ. During the millennium, it'll be a very bloody picture to show them that's what the king of kings did. That's what the God of, of the universe did for you. That's why he has those scars. That's why he looks like he does. And that's going to be a very, a very big play once a year. And that's why he says, you will come. You will see these things. You, uh, the sacrifice will be done. And it's going to be the big picture for they, so they can understand. Because it's going to be different. It's going to be different. And they're not going to have all that. They're, they're not, uh, they, they need that kind of visual image. Um, look at 1 Corinthians. A couple more and we'll... 1 Corinthians 15. So this is the... Wireframe. First Corinthians 15 and verse 25 says, For he must reign till he put all enemies under his feet. And I, I look forward to this. So he's going to reign till he puts all enemies under his feet. Remember, we're helping him to subdue. We're taking the world. We're going and we're doing that. Um, uh, I believe the demons are still loose on the world, you know, especially at the beginning, especially right after the tribulation. Uh, we go and we help and, and gather them up and we judge. No, you're not that you judge angels. We're helping to gain, get those. Uh, Satan's in the pit for the thousand years. And so he's, he's doing all this. Verse 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Death is here. Death is part of the curse. Death is what has came because of man's sin. And people still die during the millennium. And he sends a death sentence. But the last thing he'll do is put away with death. Verse 27, so he'll put all things under his feet. But he um, saith all things are put under him. It is manifest that he is accepted. Um, yeah, that he's accepted. And he let you put all things under him. And when all things are be subdued unto him, then shall be the Son himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And Jesus Christ, after he's subdued it all, and after he's, he's fought this battle of Gog and Magog, we're going to look at in a little bit, and it's all taken, and, they, and he controls the world, and he rules, and he reigns it, and all the enemies have put to, been done with, and the demons have been judged and everything else, then God takes the, Jesus takes the kingdom that he has, and he presents it back to the Father. Here you go, Father. I've done it. I've redeemed it. i bought it all back. It's back to you. And then we'll go up to verse 24. Then cometh the end. And he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. He presents the kingdom to God. Here, Father. He submits under him. Even the Father, which shall put down all rule and authority and power. He gives it. Once Christ has subdued it all, he has all the glory and power and honor. He takes all that he has, everything that he's done. And he says, it was for you, Father. That's why I died. That's why I rose again. That's why I went back and fought that battle of Armageddon. That's why I went back and I subdued the earth. And I did this. It's all for you, Father. Back to you. And we'll praise and we'll say, for you. And we'll, we'll, I think it's going to be an awesome time. So he presents it back to him. 
uh, Romans 8. That's just the millennial reign. We haven't even got to heaven yet. I haven't even gotten to eternity yet. We haven't gotten to the good thing. I think it sounds pretty awesome. I think it sounds pretty good as we go through all that. So then you get to Romans 8. Huh? Yeah, I mean, it's not just... How many people are like, I don't want to go to heaven. It sounds boring. You don't understand. <laughs> it's not going to be just sitting around staring at a museum or something. It's going to, it's going to be exciting. Vibrant. We get a, all those yearnings we have for exploration, for, for serving Him, for doing something instead of being mad at ourselves. We'll be able to do it, you know, because we won't have the sinful flesh in the way. Uh, Romans 8.18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed unto us. We just got a glimpse. We were going to go back and we're going to put some more meat on it later. It'll probably be a little while before we get there. But we just got a glimpse of it and we've already heard, it's exciting. Man, I can't wait for it. It's going to be there. And he says, let's start now. Why don't we start now? Why don't we start subduing the kingdom now? Why don't we let him rule and reign over us and then use us to go out and, and tell others and win others and do the job that we're going to have prepared for us then because the more we do it now, the more he'll trust us for then and there. And we'll say, Lord, you're worth it. I look forward to the day where I don't have to struggle with the flesh. Uh, but man, let's struggle. Let's fight that fight now because then he's going to give us that. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful in this dark world. What about the real world? Uh, I, I think he's worth it. He says here, it's worth He says it's not even, well, the suffering of this world is not even worthy to be compared. He says you can't compare it. And I don't think God wants us to be kicking ourselves for all eternity. Why didn't I do more? Why didn't I do more when I was there? Why didn't I die to myself then? Do we, what do we love better? Do we love God or do we love the things? What sin is it that we cannot give up? Because, you know, I really love my bed more than serving him on Sunday. I really love my television versus reading my Bible. I really love my music versus meditating on God's Word. I really, well, it's going to seem stupid when we stand before him and when we're being tried or our motives. Well, God, I, yeah, you gave me 50 years, but, you know, I, I like basketball. <laughs> Whatever we say is going to sound stupid. And when we're standing there and we're looking at him with these scars that he's been beaten and bruised for us, and we're going to be embarrassed. He says, we don't lose our salvation, but we'll suffer loss. How about 2 Corinthians? Let's go there. Second Corinthians chapter 4, sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. He says if it's hard now, and there's some affliction now, and even if it's war within and wars without, it's just but for a moment. And anything that we have to fight and struggle with, he says, is going to work for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Everything we do now will count, and count for eternity. How much did it cost that widow to put in her everything? That widow's might. She's still gaining rewards. Uh, he's not asking our last penny. He's asking this. He says, give me you. Serve me. I'm your king. Uh, that's, we'll have to quit for now, but I'll, we'll start next week and we'll, we'll look at Gog and Magog. I just kind of went in there. Um, and other eternal things. <laughs> um, so we'll talk about the first resurrection versus the second resurrection. So I, I think he's worth it. Uh, I think a lot of people are like, well, don't study that future stuff. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. God told us this stuff because he knows how to motivate us, and he, know, he loves us, and he wants us to reward us. And he says, my rewards are with him. He says, serve me. Work for me. Understand, no. Uh, be ready. Be prepared. Uh, I think we need to be out. As much of it sounds neat, like, man, I can't wait to be subduing kingdoms for him and doing whatever I could be doing. Do it now. 
We can go fight and, and, and then against. <laughs> might be digging sewers. Maybe. I guess people will still have to go. <laughs> Good point. And so <laughs> one of the jobs is a grave digger. So hey, that's what's one of the, one of the ones we can have. So that's an all glamorous, but we'll be serving the king. So that's. But and I'm sure we'll be glad with water if we get. Oh, but we'll always wish it'd be more. I guess that's what the point I think. It's like no matter what. It's like I know I wish it, he's, he deserves more. And so let's, let's pray to him. I'm sure there's something we could do for the for, for kingdom's sake. I appreciate you being here and invite you back on Sunday.